Hello and welcome to QPod, QIC's Investor Insights podcast series. I'm Craig Valenzuela, Managing Director for Global Business Development, and each Friday we invite our listeners to take 10 and get the latest economic insights from our in-house economics team. I'm joined once again by our resident podcast and Chief Economist, Dr. Matthew Peter. Good morning, Matthew. Hi, Craig. Matthew, we've had the US election start to really take off with the first debate this week. We've also had fisheries as being the now latest source of friction in the ongoing Brexit saga, and the COVID pandemic is continuing to cause global health and economic havoc. However, with Australia being just days out from the delayed federal budget being announced, we've decided to focus on the likely outcome here in today's podcast. This week, Prime Minister Scott Morrison described it as the most unprecedented investment in Australia's future. And Glenda Corporal of The Australian has compared his mammoth task to that of former Prime Minister Ben Chifley post-World War II. Matthew, the economics team at QIC is working on a forecast paper ahead of Tuesday night's budget update. What's the likely size this year and into 2021-22 that you're predicting? Well, well, Craig, it's massive. Uh, We think the government will bring down a deficit for this financial year of around about uh, $225 billion, uh, take or or leave a a couple of billion, and and that's about 12% of GDP. Now, this should ease back to around about $116 billion over the next financial year as hopefully the economy picks up and the government continues to wind down its uh, income support programs, in particular the job keeper payments and the job seeker supplements. But nonetheless, we've got uh, at least two years of, of massive uh, budget deficits. And so, Matthew, with those upcoming federal uh, budget deficits, where would the overall net debt be for the Australian government? Well, we think it'll climb to over 40% by the uh, end of uh, 2021 22, and then it'll start to taper off, at, at holding at around about uh, 44%, 45% at that point. That's high compared to where it it currently is. It's currently sitting around 25% of GDP, but it's low compared to other uh, developed economies, which we think across the major developed economies, you'll have net debt as a percentage of GDP hitting around 100%. Boggling numbers there. Um, We've been hearing leaks uh, that the government is preparing an infrastructure program that will feature heavily in this year's budget deficit. What are you anticipating will be the big initiatives in this year's budget, Matthew? Well, you're right in flagging infrastructure spending. That'll be one. They've already announced that they're planning to do around $40 billion over the next four years. Uh, So around $10 billion uh, per annum on shovel-ready projects, bringing forward some of their own planned infrastructure pipeline, but also funding state governments to bring forward their uh, infra projects as well. We'll also see uh, a continuation or an extension of uh, the JobKeeper program, the Job Seeker Supplement, until the end of 2021. Uh, and uh, although these extensions will be at reduced rates, they'll still cost around about $7 billion. Uh, we'll see an extension and widening of the eligibility to larger businesses of investment uh, allowances and incentives, that'll cost $5 billion. We're going to see an extension and widening of the eligibility to access the Home Builder Scheme with extra funding there up to a billion dollars. There'll be additional spending that could tally to $12 billion on a raft of targeted support schemes, and that'll cover the manufacturing sector, it'll cover our regions, it'll cover digital business and cybersecurity, uh, job training, and also health expenditure. Um, 
And finally, we'll also see the next phase of the tax cuts that were slated to come in uh, in July 2022, brought forward to July 2021. But we don't think uh, that the government will make, unfortunately, these tax cuts retrospective. Uh, and that means it won't make it into this year's budget, but it will be incorporated into next year's budget. And that'll be at a cost of around $13 billion. You're listening to Craig Valenzuela and QIC's Take 10 podcast, where our Chief Economist, Dr. Matthew Peter, helps break down the latest economic news. Matthew, you've just taken us through some of the likely policy initiatives um, that will equate to that $225 billion in 2020-2021 and a further $116 billion in 21-22. Will it be enough to transition the economy and help the necessary growth? Well, we're spending a hell of a lot of money, Craig, so let's hope so. But we think it should be enough to build a bridge for the economy to the point where uh, a vaccine is found and widely distributed and allows for economic activity once again be driven by the private sector. Um, By the end of this current financial year, we're expecting economic growth to have consolidated as we emerge out of the worst of of COVID. Uh, And we think that uh, by the June quarter of 2021, uh, GDP should be around about 4% higher than it was in the June quarter of this year, which was the height of the pandemic. But unfortunately, even by that time, by June next year, uh, the unemployment rate will still be unacceptably high, unacceptably high at, at over 7%. The economy, even though it's recovered from the depths of uh, COVID, will still be operating um, below its capacity. It'll still be less, uh, Craig, than, uh, than what its potential was pre-COVID. And this means that the government will have to keep its fiscal foot to the floor into 2022, by which time, hopefully, a vaccine has been widely distributed. Yeah, I'll come back to that vaccine situation in a second and the government's sort of hopes there in terms of its federal deficits. Recently, we've had the federal government generously wind back the responsible lending standards uh, more locally. Are these the kind of policies, in your opinion, Matthew, that's going to see us through to that next phase? Yeah, I think so. Look, the Reserve Bank has been making funds available to the banking sector at a discounted rate of 25 basis points through its term funding facility. Yet the pickup of the banks for, for, from, the, um, from the facility has been really disappointing, I think. And the government needs to encourage banks to lend and get the whole credit creation process happening within the economy. And winding back the responsible lending standards is certainly... Uh, a good step in the right direction. And the, if the government can kickstart demand through its budget, the lift in business confidence, uh, along with low interest rates uh, and with the banks ready to lend, uh, that'll see a greater willingness for businesses to borrow, uh, expand production, expand hiring and expand OPEX and CAPEX spending. That's what we need at the moment. You're listening to Craig Valenzuela and QIC's Take 10 podcast, where our Chief Economist, Dr. Matthew Peters, goes through the latest scenes on the economic front. Matthew, uh, one, one of the things I was quite keen to get into a little bit further on, on the back of that responsible lending standards is, of course, if you're going to have a large infrastructure spending program, what you can't have at the same time is bureaucratic delays uh, to allow that sort of fiscal stimulus to hit the economy. So what policies involve the private sector do you feel are needed to drive the Australian economy going forward and take that pressure off the government's balance sheet, you know, in 2021, 22 and beyond? Yeah, I think that that's a great point, uh, Craig. And, and I think there's two key imperatives. First, uh, we need to get pr- greater private sector involvement in funding infrastructure spending. And second, uh, we need to get 
uh, greater private sector involvement to increase financing to growth sectors of the economy, you know, the future um, sectors that are going to drive our economy beyond COVID. Uh, on the infrastructure side, the government's role, I believe, to go to infrastructure is really to help set the strategic direction of the Australian economy, to set those infrastructure projects that are going to facilitate the competitiveness over the coming decade of, uh, of the Australian economy and international markets in particular. However, I also think it's the private sector that has the commercial expertise and the incentives to really drive the efficient delivery and operation of large-scale infrastructure projects. On support to our growth industries, I think the government needs to act as an enabler for those industries that need to step up and help drive the Australian economy in international markets. Now, we have a limited window during which we can build out um, the next generation of export industries to replace uh, our resources sector or the reliance on resources sector. To this end, the government's $5 billion support of uh, manufacturing, job training, digital economy and cybersecurity, it's a step in the right direction. But it needs to set up policies that encourage private sector financing of industries in which we've got clear international comparative advantage. And that includes pockets of uh, the high-tech economy, including areas of health and biomanufacturing. Thank you, Matthew. And I want to come back to that vaccine point you made before, because the transition or the passing of the economic growth uh, generating baton, if you will, from public to private really does rest on that vaccine being found and distributed. Uh, vaccines normally take years and years to develop. And I know there's a very big global push at the moment to find that vaccine, but you know, there's lots of other things that get involved there, like literally the vials that it gets to be delivered in. So does your latest intelligence on the vaccine being deployed fit in with those government's fiscal plans and their timeline? Well, uh, the latest research uh, on the availability and distribution of vaccine that I've come across, Craig, uh, has been a, a recently published survey uh, of experts uh, that uh, appeared in uh, the Journal of General Internal Medicine. Uh, it's put out by researchers from McGill University in Canada. And according to this survey, the respondents, the experts, um, chose September, October of 2021 as their best guess regarding the availability of uh, a COVID-19 vaccine uh, to the general public, with uh, June 2021 as being the soonest and July 2022 being the, the latest. So it's it's sort of within the you know the, the time horizon of the budget. However, this is really just for advanced economies. And one of the problems we're facing is that rich countries have locked up most of the world's potential vaccine supply until the end of 2021. But that really only covers about 13% of the world's population. So it doesn't look like the world as a whole will be COVID free until well into 2022, even if we and other advanced economies are immunised. So, Matthew, I want to go back to where we started, which was those large fiscal deficits that you're forecasting. With, with such large deficits now the order of the day, will the credit agencies start to play a bigger role going forward? Well, Craig, you're right. The ratings agencies have been warning about potential downgrades and this week's standard pools uh, come out warning uh, state governments about potential downgrades. The enormous increase in government debt uh, does mean that particularly for state governments, uh, any ratings uh, downgrade could come at a high cost to their funding uh, if uh, those downgrades led to sovereign credit spread blowouts. But the RBA has been you know, pretty vocal in encouraging governments to ignore credit ratings, ensure that enough is done by way of fiscal stimulus to get us through COVID. 
And and what the RBA is effectively saying is that they they will stand by to absorb government debt issuance in order to keep a lid on credit spreads if so needed. Therefore, I don't think that ratings downgrades by agencies will be a limit on the ability of governments to maintain uh, the the fiscal stimulus that's required. Thank you, Matthew, for your insights today. With Australia forecast to be at around $700 billion of net debt uh, later this year, the ability of the the federal budget deficit, rather, to be targeted is so important as we start to have that vaccine hopes come through in 2021-22. You've been listening to Craig Valenzuela and QIC's Take 10 Q-Pod. Have a super weekend.